thank you so much for making the time and joining us here for this lovely conversation. I'm excited to, to, to talk about artistry and excellence and the pursuit of a craft that is self-fulfilling, you know, and is, and is, yeah. is beautiful. So um, for people who aren't familiar with you yet, could you please introduce yourself? My name is Matthew Jordan Smith. Uh, I'm a photographer for like the last 37 years professionally. Uh, my father got me started in this whole business, gave me a camera and it went from there. I started my career uh, going to art school in Atlanta, mm -hmm. left there, left art school and went to New York and worked as a photo assistant for a lot of fashion photographers. And um, my agent discovered me as a photo assistant, um, brought me on, started shooting at first just beauty, like the world of fashion beauty, but really concentrating on just beauty, hair mm. care, skin care. Mm -hmm. That was all I wanted to do. And then from there, that led to magazines commissioning me to shoot covers of magazines. Because mm -hmm. back then, it was like all models on the covers. Mm -hmm. And then there was a photographer who was shooting a, a celebrity for cover, special cover, and the photographer backed out to take a, an advertising job. So the editor came to me and said, oh, can you shoot this, this uh, celebrity for this cover? Just shoot her the same way you shoot all the models. I'm like, I can do that. And that was Halle Berry as my first oh, cover. Not bad, yeah. Then from that, it led to them giving yeah. me more celebrities. I got, I think yeah. that first year, they gave me Halle Berry, then Vanessa Williams, then Oprah. And once I shot Oprah, um, she gave me a shout out on the show and then things kind of blew up from there. Oprah can that make was, magic happen. Yeah, yeah that's true. That's yeah. kind of how it happened. And no, just like, you know. Well, she wouldn't give a shout out unless there was something worth shouting out. That's for sure. Oh, thank so, you kind, and you kind, anybody yeah. who has seen your work will quickly realize just the level of excellence and artistry that you put behind it. And, you know, what's always interesting to me is, you know, photographers kind of start in the same place. They're, they're yeah. initially, it's yeah. like, how do I do lighting? How does this camera equipment work? How do I get this you know, desired outcome? And then, and then pretty soon some plateau while others keep rising. And that's I'm always true. curious, what is that thing that's different between the two uh, where, where you continue to grow and pursue a standard of excellence where maybe others gave up for some reason? It's funny thinking about that because I think there are these, there are these hills and valleys in everybody's career. Um, my first book, I, I interviewed and photographed 50 celebrities. And one of them was Sam Jackson. And I, I remember, like it was yesterday, I remember doing his interview, like in his trailer, and I asked him the question, I said, you know, um, what was the, the breakout point for you in your career? And he's like, well, you know, that's a funny question because I've had many breakouts in my career, and mm -hmm. they're never like you think they're gonna be. It's never like just this one thing that skyrockets you to the top. It's not that one thing. You go through these, these hills and valleys, he says, I had this point where I was getting my first like you no know, breaks and doing these movies and then I was quiet for a long time. He says and everybody around me is like being really successful. Like all my friends were getting all these big movies and I was getting nothing. The phone wasn't ringing. He said I got depressed and I was going to quit this industry. And then it was my turn. 
He said, but it was like quiet for a long time. You don't think about that now when you see his work and you see him everywhere, but he almost quit. As a matter of fact, he said he did quit. He fell off into drugs and his wife helped him get him back on the track and, and now you'd never know that. But that's how I think every artist's career is. You have these ups and downs, these hills and valleys. And I learned that from talking to him. I've learned that from my career. I've learned that from even going to different exhibits and seeing other artists in their careers. I remember as a photo assistant, I went to see this show in New York, is at the Met, and it's uh, at the time the the life work of both Picasso and Matisse all in one place, and you got to see their work over decades as they were like kids on up to the end of their life, and you saw their work evolve. And when I saw that, I'm like, wow, it's not like you think we like just like on this trajectory. It's not that way. It's up and down. And you don't fail unless you quit. Like, I mean, think if Sam Jackson had quit way back when. That would have been a disaster. Right. Yeah. So I learned then, you just mm. never quit. You just keep evolving. What, Taking what, a break if you need that break, yeah. but you just keep going. What does that look like for you? For me, it's always having the space to do my personal work. There's a place when you get so busy well, you can get burnt out. I've always traveled a lot. I've always said I was gonna travel at the end of the year just to get away and do something for me. And I remember the first time I took a trip like that, um, it was to Japan, it was like 1999. I went to Japan, 1999, August. Uh, I was gonna go for a few buddies. They all backed out. So I'm like, okay, I'll go by myself. And I did, and it's the best thing that ever happened to me because it changed my life. Yeah. I didn't know it then, mm. but it, it had a imprint on me. Why? What happened? And everything you think is normal, you go there, and it's like, oh, no, this is not normal. Mm. I'm like, oh, this is old. You go to Japan, like, that's not old. Only 300 years? That's nothing. You know, <laughs> it's like, it just changes your whole perspective on life. Yeah. And that's what it did to me. Like, you know eating with a fork, sitting in a chair, those things that you take for being normal, yeah. it's not normal there. Yeah. And when you see that and say, oh, that's been around for thousands of years, you're like, wait a minute, who, was, who did it first? <laughs> and you see differently, you think differently, and you see the, the craftsmanship that they have in everything, mm -hmm. and the respect, and I'm like, I like this. Mm. Like at the time I, I lived uh, in New York City in Times Square, Brutal. Which was busy. I was on 43rd and 10th. Ooh. Yeah, I lived in the New Strand. York yeah, that, I avoid that area like a plague. <laughs> <laughs> that was home. Man. And then I went to Japan and went to Shibuya, and it dwarfs Times Square. I mean, it's nothing. And I'm like, oh, shit, look at this. This is crazy. But I fell in love with it, and mm. now, that's, now that's home. So what has that done to your work as an artist? like going to another country and i think that's that's so enriching otherwise you get stuck in the same yeah. conventions you need to be exposed to things to be inspired you have to be you have to be so how is that i mean it's changed itself? everything for me like i i see work differently i see material differently i see textures textures i see yeah. you know touch i hear things differently 
what's so beautiful about being in Japan specifically, you get four distinctives. Yes, you really get five seasons. You get, you know, uh, spring, summer, winter, fall. You get the rainy season being the fifth season, but they come like clockwork. But as they come, you can almost feel the year changing like week by week. You can feel every season from the beginning to the middle to the end because it changes. And with it, with each one, there are sounds to each season. And different artists put those things into their movies, like um, mm. Kurosawa, um, who he puts like all the seasons in his movie and they're subliminal. You don't even see it or hear it for me until I move there. I'm like, oh wow, that's the sound of summer. That's the sound of spring. I'm like, oh wow, I never thought about that before. It almost reminds me of Vivaldi's Four Seasons. Yeah, yeah, it's just incredible. Yeah. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's mm -hmm. funny. Like, if I go away and travel and I come back, you know, a week later, things have changed. Like, the sound of summer in, in Japan is the cicada. It's like a sea of cicada. Yeah. But I went away in June, came back, and it changed. I'm like, oh my God, this, the summer's about to end. Because you hear them get less and less and less. And then it's just quiet. And when it's quiet, you're like, it's been so loud all summer. So to even think about that visually, if I had to take a picture of that, what that sounds like, what that looks like, I'm like, what's a loud picture? Hmm. What's a quiet picture? Colors? I don't Colors. know. Colors. Sharp uh, lines, movement, movement, all those things. Yeah. Is it is it sharp? Is it in focus? Is it blurry? Mm -hmm. And what would that sound like? So I think about things differently from from living there. That's fantastic. So you know, one thing that I think about so much, and I'm sure you do as well. Like, what is an artist? You uh, know, it's a it's this thing that's hard to define, but maybe we can try. I like the idea of that defining that an okay. artist is a person who is in touch with themselves and learn how to express that in whatever way, visually. Would you even um, say they have to express themselves? You know, like there's, there's, there's this need, there's this. I'd say they are compelled to express compelled themselves. To when you are an artist, you are compelled, like your soul screams to let this thing out, even if people around you don't get it. Because many times they don't get it at mm -hmm. first but an artist will keep putting out that work out there regardless of if it sells or not. It's not about selling the work, it's about expressing the art the way you see it. Maybe it will sell after you've gone from this earth, who knows? Which has happened more times Which has than happened, once. exactly. <laughs> but yeah. you've got to express yourself as an artist because maybe you know the world is seeing from A to M and you're all the way in Z. Mm -hmm. You know, you're out there in this other realm and they may not get it until, you know, decades later, who knows? But you've got to express yourself. What if you're just doing bad art, but you think? Well, that's subjective, what's bad? And if you think <laughs> there about, yeah, there is, it's funny, you think about work, you're like, as a matter of fact, there's a photographer, I remember years ago, I saw his work, and I'm like, I hate this guy's work. And I don't say that about people's work, mm -hmm. but I'm like, when I mm -hmm. first saw this guy's work, I'm like, I can't believe this work is like every month in Vogue magazine. I'm like, I'm offended by this work. It's like so like 
I didn't get it. Mm-hmm. But every month I'd see it to the point where I could see the work and know who shot that work. And then I'm like, actually, it's brilliant because here this whole world of, of fashion beauty is doing these, this illusion of what beauty is. And here this guy is doing it raw. No hair makeup, no frills, no pomp and circumstance, just like this pure, unadulterated, you know, almost dirty work. Mm-hmm. But he was doing it consistently. So every time you saw the work, you knew who shot that work. It was his thumbprint. Mm-hmm. And I love it work. I love it now. I, I love that he is consistent in his vision. Um, it's not an accident. Mm-hmm. Because if you can do it over and over and over again, it's intentional. Yeah. And it's pure and it's from the soul. But the craftsmanship was there. Oh, yeah. Right? That was the, there. The skill was there. It was, yeah. You, just, you didn't resonate with the taste yeah. of yeah. the work at first. But, oh. I love his work now. I actually bought his book like a, a year ago. And then reading the book, as part of his life of the book, his work looks like his life. Mm. I mean, it's just like his, his work is, is him. Yeah. Through and through. You read this yeah. guy's life, you're like, oh, shit, he's been through it. Crazy stuff. And his work shows that. Mm. So he's he's pure, and I think it's great to be pure and show who you are, regardless of what people think. Because imagine going and showing your work the first time, people are like, "Oh no, you should do this, you should do that." And he said, "No, I'm going to do this. If they get it, great. If they don't, great. But I'm staying with this." Right. And that's kind of cool to do. That is cool, and you need to you need to have that confidence to yes. to, to understand that. This is actually good yeah. work, even though not everybody will appreciate it. And I think that's normal. It shouldn't. If you feel like you need to please everyone, then you're probably if you're not. trying to please everyone. You want to please no one. Exactly. But there's an audience for everybody. You got to yeah. find your audience and then be true to who you are. Once you're true to who you are and do that work all the time. And that means you you are really expressing who you are as a person, not even as an artist, as a person, mm-hmm. expressing who you are, you know, without being ashamed of that or hiding mm-hmm. that, just purely showing who you are visually. Mm-hmm. Once you really do that, nobody can copy it. Like nobody can copy any of us. Yeah. Like we, we all have our own thumbprint. Yeah. Every person on the universe has their own th- thumbprint. Once you show your thumbprint, you're kind of yeah. golden. Yeah. So what, another thing that's very interesting, very much related to this is is kind of the, the artistic lifestyle in general because it's not just that one thing you do it's it's everything it's you everything. do everything and and then it you you have to be inspired you have to live a life that moves you and yeah. and create a world for yourself you can't just like compartmentalize everything so like you know what i mean it's yeah. like i remember one of the best designers i've ever worked with when i came to his house um and he, he gave me tea and we sat there and we chatted the house layout, everything, the way he served me tea was like his designs. 
uh, you know, the cups, the kettle, how he timed the kettle and to what degree it was heated and how he had a timer running when he was brewing the tea. I mean, it's just, that's and, how you but that's tea. how he designs. <laughs> He's meticulous. He is, he pursues perfection to such an extent that I've never met a designer like that before. And that's why he's wow. so excellent. But then when you see his life, all of it is, you know, it, it embodies that, that type of work. It's wonderful to see that. It's wonderful to see that there, there, there are so many artisans, like real artisans in Japan, where it's made me see things differently. I'm like, oh my God, I want to be that artist, that perfectionist. When you see that all the time, it does make an impression on you. You know, mm -hmm. I've always said there are three things in life that really enhance your life. The people you meet, the places you go, books you read. Places you go definitely has enhanced my life. And, and it always leaves this deep impression. So I do believe you have to get out and experience life because the more you do, the better artist you will be because you'll have all of this yes. input from everywhere. You know, just don't live in your backyard. Just don't stay in your state, in your city. Get out and experience life, other cultures, uh, life, other food. Once you do, you will see life through a new lens. Yes, absolutely. That is so true. And, and, and it's, it, being an artist is a lifestyle. It's not yeah, it just is. creating yeah, yeah. art work or some. It's sort. a lifestyle. So, okay. Now, all that's amazing, right? And we're talking in kind of ideals, but we live in a world where patronage is no longer a thing. Yeah. And uh, commerce is a thing, and <laughs> capitalism is a thing. And, um, having a foundation to do to live this lifestyle to create this kind of work you know how how does one get there because it's not an easy path and you can't no, it's not. And you can't just start no. there because first of all you haven't honed in your craft so even if you have a vision and taste for it you haven't started you don't have a brand you don't you haven't created work and maybe it's sloppy at first um so it's going to take time to get there but you still need to pay bills and eat um, can you talk to us about this? How does this work? How do we survive in, in this, in this world as artists? <laughs> I remember the very beginning of my career, like, you know, always like wondering how will I pay the bills? How will I do this? And how will I do that? And there are all these voices around you saying, oh, you can't do this or you should do that. And in the very beginning, you know, when I started out as a photo assistant, I mean, I was broke. I'm like, like living on peanut butter and jelly. I kid you not. And it was just like, I had all these worries about, you know, bills. But then as I got more and more into my craft and into the business of it, work just came. And it's funny, like, I'm a man of faith. I believe in, in dreaming big. I believe in, of course, like, you know, working hard um, and being paid right for, for your work. But I also believe if, if you surround yourself with the right people, um, things just happen. I didn't have an agent at the start of my career. 
my first agent found me at a point where I was so broke. It's kind of funny thinking about this now. Point when I was so broke, my first agent came to me and I remember uh, he was the agent for a photographer who I was working for. And he approached me. Um, and this is the same time I was about to get the job shooting Oprah. And got the job, I just shot the job. He's now my agent and they want to do a buyout. I'd never done a buyout before, you know. Uh, Harper wanted to buy all the images. And I'm broke. So I'm thinking like, oh yeah, like, you know, you know, $5,000, I'll sell everything. He's like, oh no, you won't, you know? And he threw out this number and I'm like, oh hell no, they'll never, and they didn't blink an eye. And I'm like, okay, you know, it made me think differently about everything. Uh, the business side is different. You do need to be aware of what your work is worth. And be ready to say no, because those things come. Uh, it's not always easy, and it won't be. This is an art form, and a lot of things are subjective. There's there's work that will sell for a lot of money that may be cool in the moment. Mm -hmm. There's work that may be cool years later that won't sell at all right now, but will sell later on. Um, so that's just the process, that's the art part. But in terms of like being an artist, making a living day to day, mm -hmm. you've got to work, you've got to, you've got to hustle, you've got to put yourself out there, um, which means, you know, always showing new work, always putting a, you know, a PDF together to send to clients, always having yeah. a, a portfolio. Like it's kind of funny yeah. now also thinking about even that part of it. Like, you know, I've been around so long. I was there when it was like, we were shooting just film and then it went to showing like, you know, a traditional portfolio. Then it went to being, you know, showing work on an iPad. That was the cool hip thing. And now it's back to showing, you know, tangible work again. Mm -hmm. You know, people want to touch something, yeah. you know, because we're all tired of looking at a device. Yeah. Yeah. Screen fatigued. How would you describe your lane? So like your oh. the type of work you're in. What, I what exactly definitely think is. I'm in my own lane. Um, I think I've been doing the same thing all my career. If you look at my career from beginning to now, I still kind of shoot in that beauty-esque way. Like yeah. my world is like the face. Yeah, It has been from the very beginning and it still is. That's where I'm most comfortable. That's where I live. And sometimes that's in fashion, sometimes it's not. But I stay there, I might yeah. evolve and do things a little differently the same way Matisse and Picasso evolved way back when, but they still looked like Matisse and Picasso. Mm -hmm. You know, even though they were changing and evolving, even when Picasso was in the bed in his 90s, bedridden, you know, doing cutouts, it still looked like, you know, Matisse. Yeah. And I want to stay there. I want to like evolve as well, yeah. do different things, but keep it looking like yeah, me having your dna a part of it as far as you know there's uh, say photographers who are maybe they've never done any kind of commercial work and they're not familiar with what your world looks like could you uh, kind of give an, a summary like who are your clients how do you get paid how does this world look like do you do 
do you recommend for photographers to pursue you know that lane but let's let's start let's start with you know your lane or your clients how do you get paid what does that look like oh commercially it, it used to be it used to be in the very beginning just commercial clients uh Revlon, Pantene, L'Oreal, that's the advertising side. Uh, editorial side, it was um, uh, Elle Magazine, Essence Magazine, Time Magazine, uh, American Vogue Magazine, um, editorial, which doesn't pay as much at all, but the editorial leads to advertising. Advertising plays a lot. Uh, for because the advertising advertise in the publications. Exactly. The, the advertising pays for the magazine. Yeah, exactly. So, but you get to have fun doing the editorial. You get more, you get more freedom. Probably. You get, you get all the freedom in editorial. Yeah. You get none in advertising. Because they have a very but, strict agenda. Yeah, they very need strict agenda. It's for a client. It's for their brand. So you got to be aware of their brand. Say you for, if you're hired to shoot for Colgate, Colgate has their color red. If you're shooting for Pantene, Pantene hair looks different than Revlon hair. So you got to be aware of their brand. You're bringing their brand to life. For a commercial client, they'll give you a layout, or even before you get the job. Before you get the, before you get the job, it's a three-way bid between you and two other photographers. So it's a three-way bid. They'll look at, say, maybe 100 portfolios and narrow it down to the top three. And then they'll have all three photographers put in a bid. Um, then they'll also do the phone call. Commercially, the phone call is a big deal. Uh, where they want to talk to you about, they've sent you a layout, you've looked at the layout, and you dissect that layout and say how you envision bringing that layout to life, that add to life. So you maybe you'll do uh, your own, like the little um, storyboard of how you see it done. How I, For me, it's like, how I envision the lighting, mm. or if I see problems with the layout, because it's a sketch, like, okay, in the sketch it looks like this, but in reality, this light wouldn't do this, it would do this. Uh, you break it down and say how you do it, and make them feel confident that you are the person for that job. Mm -hmm. um, and then your bid goes in with the, uh, against the other two bids. Maybe your bid could be, if it's advertising, maybe it could be $100,000. And the other photographers puts down $50,000. But that client looks at, at their ad and what you've put down in your bid. And like the person put down $50,000, you can't do that for $50,000. And they know that. Mm -hmm. So you'll get that job because you like, you've put in everything you need to get the job. That's commercially. Mm -hmm. um, so that's the commercial side of it. Because there's a production. You're hiring production. assistants of all sorts. Assistants, hair, makeup. Project, it's right. it's multi-day. It's stress. And you are bringing that client's vision to life versus your vision. And if you're just doing that, you might make a lot of money. But you won't express your vision. And you can get burnt out doing that. Because I did. Uh, and that's when you've got to shoot stuff for you. Mm -hmm. I think, you mm -hmm. know. And there are different parts mm -hmm. of commercial as well because there's, there's the uh, uh, celebrity side, like doing movie posters, which is another lane outside of advertising. It's still advertising, but a different lane. Mm -hmm. um, then there's products, uh, like doing beauty products, like lipsticks and uh, hair color and eyeshadow and and all that's fun, mm -hmm. uh, 
the casting, all those things that go in part of it. And then there's doing those same things also with celebrity, uh, which is another ball of wax altogether. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's all fun. Yeah. And it's never boring. I mean, all, all yeah. these years later, it's never, it's never dull, you know? For sure. I moved to Japan from New York. Actually, I moved there from LA. Uh, went from New York to LA. Didn't like LA because uh, uh, LA, you, you drive everywhere. You know, New York, you walk everywhere. I moved back to I moved to Tokyo because Tokyo was like another version of 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 New York of New York, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's same same lifestyle exactly, mm-hmm. same lifestyle, um, and that fits me. But now I was born in New York, so mm-hmm. you you identify what you know. So if I had been yeah. born in L.A., maybe I was you know cherished the the life out there. But yeah. So what kind of work are you doing now? What are you What are you into? Oh man. Now I'm, I'm really defining my lane in Japan. I want to work more in Japan and travel less now. The one thing I learned from the pandemic is I'd love to travel less. Before the pandemic, I was traveling like 10, 11 times a year to the States, to Europe. And that was my dream. But after a while, you're like, you know, I've been traveling all my career. I'd like to stay home now. Because I never knew what that felt like until the pandemic. And now I'm like, I kind of like being home. So I want to work more in Japan and travel maybe three times a year, four times a year. That would be ideal versus the, the grind I was on, yeah. you know. Because yeah. I, I need to have time to, to work on my art, which is yeah. where I want to be. Yeah. Well, let's, let's talk about this just for a second. You know, to, to, in order to do art, what is that like lifestyle canvas need to look like, you know what I mean? Like that's a good question. There needs to be space to experiment, to breathe. Yes, there has to be, you know, and you there can't be scared about be. your next bill. No, you, you can't. can't like you can't. Otherwise you, you're not doing art. You're being, you're, you're panicking. You're tied to you're like, t- yeah, trying to yeah, pay the bills. Yeah. And you're, you're just worried and all of that messes with the creativity in the brain. Yeah, it does. It does. Um, I learned a long time ago, you've got to uh, put your work out there, your personal work out there. It's a funny thing about this now. Um, one of the guys who I assisted for, he was working a lot. Uh, we were doing a lot of Victoria's Secrets back when Victoria's Secrets was hot. Um, and they I remember, messed up a bit, didn't they? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, different thing now. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I remember him, we were coming back on a plane from somewhere. He says, Matthew, the best advice I can give you is to do a book when you're hot. I'm like, oh, okay. Years later, I did my first book. Um, I've done three now. I'm working on a new one at this very moment. Uh, um, And I'm going to launch it on Kickstarter next month. Um, But the books do something for you that's kind of cool. They give you a space to uh, put work out there, to reach a different audience, a new audience. The books live long. Like you, you work on a commercial job. Say you do an ad for a big client um, that's paying you a lot of money. The ad comes out, you do all this work. It's out there. If it's, it's a really big ad, maybe it's out there for a year. And that's it. But nobody knows you shot it because there's no, there's no mm-hmm. uh, credit line on the ad. 
an editorial there is, but on an ad, nobody knows you shot it unless they see your portfolio. And that's just clients who see it, but the average, average person doesn't know there's a lot of work that nobody ever knows that I mm -hmm. shot. Mm -hmm. You know, even though you worked so hard, got paid this great amount of money, nobody knows you shot it. But a book is different. Uh, my first book came out uh, 2001, and somebody here today brought the book for me to sign. Today, in 2022. That first book I did in 2001, that's what a book can do. It can have a long life, it can inspire generations of people. Uh, who didn't know who you were when you were, you know, doing the book? They may not have been born when I did the book, you know. Yeah. Uh, but that's kind of cool. So that is really cool. I love doing books. What's the latest book about? The latest book is I worked with Aretha Franklin for 13 years. I shot her the last mm. 13 years of her life. And we were good friends. So I'm putting that mm. work out there finally as a book. Mm. I'm going to launch it on Kickstarter at the uh, middle to the end of next month. So I'm super, super excited about that. Wow, that is really exciting. So uh, for all of our viewers and listeners, if they want to follow you, we'll just put the plug in here. Find me where on Instagram. Go? That's where I am every day, basically, like sharing my life, you know, and every part of my life. Um, and just, and just, you know, doing stuff. I'm, yeah, I'm active on, on Instagram a lot. Okay. Well, we'll be sure to include tags and everything. Okay, well, I want to ask you one more question um, and feel free to respond right away or if you want to think about it. But I'm always curious um, what um, contrarian opinions people have. And so I'm curious, what are some of your strong beliefs that you have or a strong belief that you have that most people would disagree with? I have a lot of those. Um, one that I have that I know a lot of people disagree with is as a photographer, you know, I came up, you know, learning about light and light meters and, and the tech. I think like today we live in a world where you don't need to be tech savvy at all. You don't need to know about light or how they, or how light works or light meters. And there are many people who don't believe in using a light meter at all. And, and that's cool. I do believe you can get by doing that. A lot of people do that uh, all their career and do very, very well. But I think if you understand how the light works, how cameras work, how f-stops work, it opens this other world of creativity to you that will help you in your career farther than you can imagine. So I think everybody, wherever you are in your career, if you've never seen a light meter or touched a light meter, or know what an f-stop is or whatever, you should. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of people don't agree with that, but I think learning about those things will only help you to have control to really bring your vision to life and be able to duplicate it 10 years from now, 20 years from now, because you'll have a recipe or you'll know the theory behind it and how to get there because I've had many clients who said, um, I love that picture you did 10 years ago. Can you do that on me? I had Aretha say that about a picture I did uh, of Tyra Banks 10 years before she wanted me to do it. She said, I love that picture. Can you make me look like that? I'm like, sure, absolutely. And 
-hmm. And it wasn't some autofocus. No, it wasn't the camera doing everything for (laughs) me, you know, because I think that tech will get better and better and better because that's what happens. But still, as the artist, if you want to have your control and your vision, you should know how all that stuff works. 100%. And that takes discipline. Discipline and just the desire to want to be better at your craft or to bring your vision to life. Like, you know, cameras will be able to do anything and everything, but they'll always make things look normal or like everybody else for the masses. What if your vision is like that photographer I was talking about earlier? His name is Jurgen Teller. If you see his work, what if you want to go that direction and do work that looks far away from normal? Basically putting your fingerprint on your work. You learn about to do that by learning out about everything and then finding out what you love and sticking with that. 100%. No, that's that's a great um, belief to have, and I think that's what enabled you to be where you are. And I hope everyone will take that and run with it. Um, thank you so much for your time. This has been very inspirational. Thank you. And um, and and uh, everyone who is listening and watching, please do follow Matthew because he is a legend. <laughs> and we will end on that. Thank you. Thank you.